Welcome to episode 55 of the Point of Pittsburgh, the podcast. I'm Kevin Cray. And I'm Steve DiMaselli. Steve, uh, where'd you eat last week? Um, so I, <laughs> it's funny. I was just thinking as we were starting up, I was like, I ate somewhere in Squirrel Hill, but I can't, I can't remember the name of the restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting, I'm getting so old. I'm getting so old. Why don't you say where you did, and I'll like look it up real quick. So what was what was the nationality of it? So it was it was a it was what a type um, of cuisine. It's a it's a Jean, it's a it's a Jean dumpling house. It's it's two doors down. Oh, I, it, it's two doors down from uh from from uh man. I can't even think of what it's neighboring at this point. I'm just my brain is is all kinds of mush right now. So. <laughs> Um, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's on the corner of Shady and two doors down from the corner of Shady and, and Forbes. There we go. I got something out intelligible. So, um, but let me, uh, let me, let me actually get this. Let me get the, the, the actual name of the place out here. So it is, um, amazing dumplings. That's what it is. So, um, have you ever heard of it before? I have not. No. Tell me about it. So just, uh, just super spicy, super spicy dumplings, really good spicy noodles. I've been in a, I've been in a mood for a, a good hand stretched, um, Chinese noodle like all week. So we went last Friday, um, you know, but the week prior to that, I was like, I got to have noodles here soon. So perfect timing but the the place is delicious so um highly recommend not super expensive it's the the restaurant in the corner is how lee which i actually did remember without looking at it it's just i had a full-on brain i just had like a little aneurysm there the dementia is kicking in so yes. that's just all there is to it so so did you, is uh, it around right. the corner from how lee or where is it no, 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 it's literally, like, so Howley's literally, Howley spans the corner, okay? Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah. like, two doors down. It's, like, do you know where the Rita's is? Yes. Uh, in, on Forbes Avenue? It's, it's like, between Howley and the Rita's, basically. Oh, okay, okay. So. Cool. Um, I didn't really eat anywhere that interesting. Uh, we just mm. kind of kept, kind of kept it, I think we did, like, a chainish type restaurant with the kids one night, Ooh. but, yeah, mm. It's uh, it's how you, you don't want to admit which you don't even want to admit what chain it is. Like that's that that's remarkable. Like, did you go to, did you go to Chili's? No, no, no. Did no. you go to Chili's? No. Oh man. No, we we Kevin got, went to Chili's. You went to that, the Cheesecake Factory. Is actually where you went, isn't it? Hey, look, you don't need to run down the Cheesecake Factory like unnecessarily. Okay, I mean, they're <laughs> they. they, they they do some stuff over there. They do, you know, twenty-eight page menu. But the, if the kids yeah. eat there, it at least is a notch in my book. It's hard to get kids to eat. It's hard to get people to agree. Oh, I, I did guess. I did guess it. My kids are like a microcosm of society. They just uh-huh. like argue with each other over anything. So, yeah, you know, kids are. Kids are essentially, essentially like really young old people, you know, and then they kind of, then you get like, you, you know, you, you just sort of like, you know, you kind of grow out of it and then you grow back into it as you get older too. You know what I mean? So you want your dinner at like 445, but you really don't want to actually eat anything, you know, 
Like, it's just... You, you know, know who else looks like you a... You have your sweets. You know who else looks a lot older than they actually are? Paul Skeens. Segway! Me? No, Paul Skeens. Oh. I just dropped mm. a good... Just dropped a good segue, and you just like totally. It's a good one. Stepped on it. God. Um, is it that is it he looks older, or is it all of the weirdos that he hangs that he was hanging out at at the the draft party? Like his like like forty something like entourage that he had at his draft party. Is that is that what makes him look older? No, it's it's the mustache. It, he's he's got it. He I mean, I the want mustache. the pirates. I want the pirates to enact a no facial hair. Just like the Yankees, but just for him. Yeah, I, I can't hmm. stand it. He he is already Excuse hanging me. out in Lawrenceville with that mustache. So, so what I wanted to talk about is Paul Skeen's fastball. Um, everybody's drooling over okay. it. Uh, the miles per hour was a huge reason which caught everyone's attention going into the draft. Um, but there's kind of some differing schools of thought. I wanted to see where you, uh, which side you kind of maybe fall on. There's some uh, sides like MLB Pipeline that are saying his fastball is the best in the minors. And then Baseball America and Prospectus um, are kind of saying that they're worried about how, f- how flat it could be. And, you know, we watched Quinn Priester up here with a straight as an arrow fastball that wasn't really fooling a whole lot of people so i'm just wondering if you're getting a little bit worried or which side of this fence that you fall on yeah i mean it's a little jarring you've got to have a little bit more shape to the fastball to 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 fool major league hitters you know and to get some swing and miss at the major league level with that fastball um you know you can't just get by on heat alone although when you start out at 98 to 100, you can get by on that heat a little bit, you know? That's going to get you through the bottom of the order at least most of the time. But, uh, you know, good fastball hitters can can handle that on a pitch that they, you know, that they can see where it's going and they can turn around on it. I, I think it's a weird contradiction, though, that the MLB pipeline guys and really, you know, and really it's not, I, guess I shouldn't, shouldn't say the MLB pipeline guys. They're interviewing executives. Prospectus and Baseball America are interviewing like baseball evaluators and data wonks and nerds and things like that. Not that I'm disparaging nerds. I happen to be one. Um, You know, but I think that (laughs) that was a little emphatic. Um, But anyway. Well, that was uh, from Cheesecake Factory. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. I I need some revenge. The factory doesn't forget. (laughs) <laughs> All right. But anyway, um, so I think that uh, I, I, I don't know which side I necessarily err on. I, I think I err on the side of maybe the guy needs to develop a little bit more than we're thinking, though. I mean, maybe that's the side that I err on. The, 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 I'm going to be a little bit of, I'm going to be a little cautious. Maybe maybe his timeline isn't as soon as Super 2's up, realistically. He might have some work to do. And that could include adding a sinker or a two-seamer, which is something the Pirates have been incredibly good at doing over the past few years you know teaching guys how to utilize those two pitches but he you know he's going to need some time to command that even if he starts implementing it in spring training Uh, I think that that's probably the route that he'll end up going they'll give him he'll keep his 
his big, big fastball um, and just blow it by people up in the zone every now and then. But he's going to keep a sneaky, sinking fastball of some type that is going to do, you know, uh, that's going to do dirty things eventually once he learns how to command it. Is there a chance that maybe he doesn't necessarily pitch backwards, you know, to use that that term, but he may kind of not be fastball heavy, where he may be more, it might be more of a mix between the slider and the fastball. Yeah, I, I think his fastball is considered to be a plus, plus, I mean, excuse me, his slider, yeah, his slider is considered to be a plus 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 pitch too the yes. executives who also rated him as having the best fastball you know on mlb pipeline this past week also said he had the best secondary pitch or the the majority the the i guess the plurality of them uh rated him as having the you know it was only like 20 percent of voters but 20 percent of the people that voted in their polls said that Skeens had the best secondary pitch, which was his slider. And now, yeah. I mean, I know his changeup also needs a little bit of work. But, um, you know, if he, you know, if, if he spends some time in the minors, works on that changeup, works on adding uh, another, you know, fastball to the, the arsenal, I think that could be pretty, pretty solid four-pitch mix for him in the end. But, yeah, I mean, like... The Pirates have been shown to have their pitchers favor their off-speed stuff. You know, they're gonna th- he's going to throw that pitch ha- more frequently than he would with any other organization. Or I shouldn't say any. I should say almost any other organization. Um, so, uh, you, you know, we brought up MLB Pipeline. Uh, he picked up some votes, uh, like you said, best fastball, best secondary, but it's kind of interesting who else got a vote for best fastball. Uh, and that's Jared Jones. Yeah, I think we're we're forgetting that he brings, he's got, he brings the gas too, um, you know, and, and mm-hmm. he might have a little bit more motion, but it's, it was cool to see him recognized um, because I do, I mean, you know, ever since that Paul Skeens guy's been around, you know, he's been a, uh, you know, Jared's been, Jared's been, been overlooked. And, and I mean, I think that MLB Pipeline's a little higher on him than uh, most of the other publications that I'm aware of. I think they have him rated somewhere in the like 60s of their top 100 right now, if I recall correctly. I'm not absolutely certain on that. But, uh, you know, I mean, so they have him as a pretty solid, you know, you know, top 75 prospect, you know? So I, I think he's, uh, you know, I, but I do think he's maybe getting a little overlooked at this point, you know, between Bubba Chandler's late season breakout uh, and, you know, and Anthony Solomedo, I think that, you know, maybe, maybe we should be paying a little, and, and, and Paul Skeens being in the fold, I think maybe we should be paying a little more attention to him. I think we're starting to take him for granted a little bit. Who, uh, what else, or who else, I should say, maybe surprised you in the in the pipeline superlatives. Oh yeah, there were some really really interesting ones. So, uh, best pitchability, Paul Skeens came in there at fourth, okay, which, you know, means he's not only bringing a big fastball, he's not only bringing a, a an excellent secondary pitch, but he knows how to command both of those pitches. Uh, Anthony Solomedo, not surprisingly, also got a vote there. Um, but uh, another pirate got a vote there, and this one kind of blew me out of the water, and that's Jackson Wolf. So there's one 
baseball executive out there that thinks Jackson Wolf has the best pitchability of any minor league pitcher in the in 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 baseball, and and I think that's kind of remarkable. Um, so as far as the hitters go, I mean, I, I think everybody at this point realizes the Pirates are a little weak on the hitting side. Um, and, and I think that, uh, you know, Tamar Johnson's strikeout numbers this year hurt him. He still, he still did manage to pull in one, you know, best hit tool vote. Uh, I, I think that if the, you know, if he keeps those strikeout numbers around 20%, I think his percentage is considerably higher there. But, you know, I, I mean, he, uh, those numbers dropped a little bit because, you know, he had some strike zone judgment issues, in my humble opinion. Um, predicted breakout prospect for the next year, though. Um, there was also one vote for Termar. And I can I can buy that. I can see that. I mean, he's already a top 40. But, I mean, that I, a breakout for him would mean going into kind of the upper echelon of, of, of pitchers. So, um uh, another thing, I mean, Paul Skeens obviously was the uh, was noted as the best pitching prospect, you know, by a, a wide margin. Um, interestingly, five percent of voters in this poll put Paul Skeens as the best future closer, which you it's know, depressing. It's yeah, that's concerning. That's a little concerning, but you know, it's only it's only two two people, so. Mm-hmm. What the hell do they know? They're only baseball executives. That's right. um, And then one, there were two polls that were kind of hidden sort of at the the bottom of their, of of that list. Um, And that was the best minor league prospect these executives have ever seen. And I thought this was interesting. O'Neill Cruz got one vote. I think that might be the most interesting of all of those things. Like, I think that's totally wild that somebody thought he was the best minor league player that they'd ever seen i didn't i didn't see that part of it who was who led who who led that voting oh um hang on one second let me uh let me bring it up real quick so um i i you know i was really paying heavily it's heavy attention to the pirates prospects obviously i mean is it are you talking like all time so is this all you time? Know, we do uh, we do a prospect? pirates pro- podcast over here, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean that we they've seen out. that the, that these people have seen personally as um, as evaluators. Can we? I got. I don't know about. I got to think it's. No, I'm just kidding. We can. I gotta, we can absolutely edit it out. Yeah. No, it was. I it was think it's Alex Rodriguez. Is, right? is the best minor leaguer. No, no, no. Mm. So Alex Rodriguez got seven percent. Mike Trout got fourteen percent. Yeah. So there's, okay. there's obviously there's a huge array of, of of um you know of, of uh, differentiation here. So I mean like there's a wide range of people or choices that people made. Like you know Juan Soto got a vote. Like Spencer Strider got a vote. Like Fernando Tatis got a vote. Like there's just you know there's a just a, a load of of people. Yeah, whatever. So um, there's just a load of people that got consideration. Yeah. Jeez. Did uh, I don't did, remember. Did Matt Weeters get a vote? Uh, he put no, up some... and Daniel Daniel Moskis definitely didn't though. Oh man, thought he, I thought he was. Gonna I can't it. remember. I can't remember where we uh, where I ate this past week, but I can on a fly Daniel Moskis right off the top of my brain. So, um, 
So the pirates uh, did some stuff. They opened up the Scrooge McDuck silo and settled with arbitration for with five different players. Um, leading off with uh, Mitch Keller, who got a very respectable uh, $5.4 million. Um, I personally think it's a great deal for the Pirates. I think he mm-hmm. probably could have gotten a touch more. Um, uh, Bednar pulled in 4.5, also great value for what he provides. Um, I, th- I, th- I see here with... Uh, JT Brubaker. I see a number of 2.275. But mm-hmm. I, th- I thought I also saw it reported as 2.7. Do you do you feel I it's I think he I think he got exactly what he made last year if I recall correctly. Okay, so like which he basically he agreed to the exact yeah. same deal. Yeah, that's yeah. usually what people get when they miss a year. Um and even then, if uh I mean even if they do move forward in arbitration, they usually get about the same. And then rounding it off, uh, Connor Joe, 2.1. I want to kind of double back on Connor Joe, so let's put a pin on that one for a second. And okay. newly acquired uh, Edward Oliveras, who is either going to be a starter or kind of rotate through the outfield. He's at 1.35, which, sure, uh, that's a great deal. Um, there's a lot of people who do not like Connor Joe. Uh, a lot of people saying he yeah. should have been non-tendered. He should have been traded. Uh, am I watching a different Connor Joe? Did we pick up a second one that I'm not aware of? I mean, he's been a pirate twice. I don't know if maybe that's the confusion. Maybe they maybe they don't like the 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 supplemental first round draft pick that was uh that that didn't really look like he was going anywhere when he was in the pirate system and then managed to turn himself into you know a slightly below average you know MLB producer you know at the corners you know um i think um it, it is interesting i do think he's the only person that i th- that exceeded projections if i recall correctly oh i'm sure he put up a 1.9 war he had a 107 Weighted yeah. runs created plus. I mean, that's perfectly cromulent. I mean, he's not a star. Uh, yeah. But he's he's a good bench player. Crush lefties. You know, I mean, he's a useful piece. Can play, you know, two positions pretty well. You know, I mean, I think mm-hmm. he's better defensively at first base. But, you know, I mean, he's very easily hidden in PNC Park's right field. Um, I think he's a super useful player. I mean, like, um, it seems like a good dude. I, I, I mean, like, I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, he's certainly not like locker room cancer. Like, yeah. there's there's no drawbacks to this guy. Like, you know, he's he's a decent hitter. Is he what you really ideally want at first base or in in right field? No, you want somebody that's a bigger stick. And mm-hmm. that that's okay, you know, but the pirates don't have that and they're not going to spend the money to get that, you know, and, and fill the other holes that they have for this season. You know, it's just reality. You're going to end up with a guy like Connor Joe there and you could do a hell of a lot worse <laughs> and they have done a hell of a lot worse. Yeah. I mean, I, again, not touting him as a starter, just 
this guy is a useful bench piece. And uh, sure, man, people just did not like him. Uh, so I'm not quite sure about that one. Um, okay, so now the Pirates have locked in arbitration. This is, you know, January is typically a little bit of a dead month, but the Pirates still need to do some stuff, uh, in my opinion. They should be doing something to get a starting pitcher. Um, I feel like it's just going to be Groundhog Day if we start talking about which free agent or which trade we would do. Um, so let's play a, a new game. Uh, before pitchers and catchers report, which is typically around Valentine's Day, uh, will any of those five guys that we just talked about get a long-term deal from the Pirates uh, in our, off of their arbitration award? I don't think so. Um, and here's why. It's I think that the... Because everything everything across the board is delayed right now in Major League Baseball because of how slowly free agency has gone. You know, and again, it's not just the Pirates that are moving slowly. You know, there's still some big names out there as far as pitchers go. Um, there's still a lot left on the table. So it's it's not just the Pirates. Everybody else is having a slow offseason. But the Pirates still have work to do with incoming players. I think that they're going to leave the business of extensions until actual spring training. I, I don't, so I don't think that they're going, it's not going to be by pitchers and catchers report. Now, if you're asking me, do I think that they're going to get a long-term deal done with somebody by the end of spring training? I think the answer is yes. And I think that that person is um, probably Mitch Keller. I think they'll get something done. He sounds like he wants to get something done. Right. And I don't blame him. He's he's literally, he's in a rotation right now where literally everybody's arm is falling off. Like, he's, it's, he's like, it's like he's storming the beaches on D-Day. You know what I mean? And he's just watching his friends get picked off left and right. You know, and, and <laughs> it's actually nothing like that at all. But, um, you know, so, but, but that being said, like, he's, he's seeing firsthand you know, how how this can come crashing down at any moment in time, you know, like for a pitcher or or at least and not necessarily crashing down. But, you know, he's he's very familiar with the setbacks um, that a pitcher can encounter over the course of their career vicariously through his teammates. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going again to be Professor Positive. I do think that by pitchers and catchers, uh, one of those guys, and I will also say Mitch Keller, but everyone knows my stance on uh, David Bednar and how he already should have been locked up with a deal. Um, But I I could see one, if not both of those guys, uh, by the time spring training is done, having a deal. And I'll, I'll say that Mitch Keller gets his done by the time he reports. No particular yeah. reason, but it just yeah, feels like I mean, there's it's, it's not like a an, question. There's like an uptick in the conversation again, you know, and he's kind of said, yeah, I definitely want to do that. And, uh, you know, just he's been tossing some feelers out there, I think. So, yeah. And, and I think that, you know, by by virtue of him saying that he wants to do this. He's also the. I'm sure that you know the front office is going to smell blood in the water and realize that they can get a, a just a grotesquely team friendly deal from this guy. 
you know, you want this to happen, we're going to exploit the hell out of you. Just ask Andrew McCutcheon. <laughs> yeah. Um, is there anybody that we may not be thinking of, not necessarily on the uh, on the arbitration list, but anybody that just might pop into your head that the Pirates could do a, an extension of some sort or any sort of long-term deal? Uh, I mean, could they come out of absolute left field and do a, a deal with Skeens before the season starts? I don't think they're going to do that. Um, I do, I mean, Oviedo was obviously the pre-arb guy that I thought was most likely to potentially do a deal. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I would, know, I, I would still do a deal with him. I know. I know you would. And, and I mean, like, this might be the time to, um, to basically, you know, let's, let's say we'll, the pirates come in and pat him on the back and say, we're there for you, buddy. Now, now take this, uh, take this deal that's 20% below what most other teams would give you. So, yep. um, but we're there for you, buddy. So that's, that's what really matters. It's so how gonna, there we are for you. I'm just going to take your temperature and you just kind of give me like a quick one through 10 on how likely uh, a deal could happen with these non, these guys, non ARB. Um, okay. Colin, Colin Holderman. He, he has four years left of control. I think that's unlikely. So, on a scale of 1 to 10, if you could play along with oh, this game. I, okay, sorry. <laughs> um, I mean, I think that's probably like a 2 or a 3. Jack Sawinski, 5 years of control. I think he's more likely. I think he'd actually be in the 5 range, but I think mm-hmm. the Pirates probably want to see, uh, wait and see with him a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh... I'm going to skip over the one that's next on my list and go down to uh, Henry Davis. Six full years still of control. No, he's not getting one. Okay. So that sounds like a one. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Uh, That would be a a one or a two. Yeah, he's not going to get one yet. And I'm going to put this one. Uh, This is kind of like the Mark Cuban buying the pirates of contract extensions. Uh, O'Neill Cruz, five years control. I think he's probably the most likely out of all of the pre-arb guys to get one because I think he's solely because I think the Pirates are the team or would be the most interested in extending him at this point. Um, I think with the injury season last year, um, I do think that, um, you know, they might, again, they might try to, they might see that he's more willing to do a team friendly gig. Um, so yeah, maybe like a six, six and a half, I'll say. Okay. That's, that's kind of high. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, out of those guys, um, setting aside Oviedo, who I would personally be jumping all over, uh, Boy, out of those guys, hmm. that's a tough one. I, I don't. Uh, I would at least gauge where Holderman's heads at, see if he would do something like really zany. Um, but I wouldn't really go in with Swinsky, and I want to see more with Cruz. So. Yeah, no, I, I can, I could see that. Um, I would say with Holderman, like I, I don't see them. 
If they do a deal with him or Bednar, I think it's probably going to be one of those deals that just cost controls them through arbitration. I don't think that they're, and maybe gets them an option year at the end, but I don't Mm -hmm. see them like buying out like much free agency for either of those guys. As as much as I'd love to see um, Bednar just ride it out with the Pirates, you know, and and literally spend his whole whole career in his hometown, it's just not going to happen. And it probably shouldn't happen because, you know, relief pitchers ought to be traded at at some point, you know, that's that to me is the piece that's easiest acquired and then is also easiest to move, you know. So, I mean, these guys are replaceable, um, you know, you can and, and I'm not trying to be mean or anything, but I mean, but you can still get a haul for them. You, the, the, the return that you can get for a very good relief pitcher far outstrips to me what they you know you know what their contributions are to the team necessarily relative to what the next guy up could be so i I mean i think you should always be looking to trade relief pitchers you should always be looking to develop them and bring them along and have a deep 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 crop of them because they also tank pretty fast too um (laughs) when they go down nobody goes down harder than a relief pitcher but um you know, I, I don't necessarily, I, I, I love the idea of having them around in peak form forever and ever and ever. But at the same time, I just don't know if it's a practical strategy for a small market baseball team. So just to recap this episode, um, Steve does not like David Bednar or Cheesecake Didn't Factory. That. Didn't say or, that. Or Cheesecake Factory. Didn't, did not say that. Cheesecake mm. Factory is fine. They're just both fungible. You can, you can get, you can get another David Bednar. You can definitely get another Cheesecake Factory. So David Bednar is the Cheesecake Factory of relievers, is what I'm hearing you say. That is, that's wild. Not of, of relief pitchers, of wow. baseball players. At Steve Dimaselli on Twitter. <laughs> Is that what it is? I don't even know. Yeah, it is at Steve DiMaselli. Well, shit. We're going. I'm going down now. I'm gonna get. I'm getting canceled. The the, the Mars Pirates baseball canceled. The Mars Mafia is gonna be. They're coming after me. All up on you now. I'm pretty sure I, I didn't say any of those things actually, I, except I just actually, now in jest. I actually spend a decent amount of time in Mars. Uh huh. And. I gotta say, they should be hyping up Bednar a little bit more in that town than they are. They're nihilists up there. Oh yeah, there, man. There's there's some stuff going on up there. Yeah, but yeah, I would at least have like home of David Bednar yeah. or like a, a banner or something, and yeah, it, yeah, I, I would be promoting him. I don't I don't know what the story is, but. You name uh, name one of the highways after him or something like that already. You know what I mean? Like they have, they maybe, have ap- rename the elementary school. My goodness, David Bednar Elementary, Apple Fest up there in October. They can't slide him a few bucks to be the David Grand Bednar Fest. Yeah. yeah, change it to, yeah. from from Apple Fest to David Bednar Fest. You can keep yeah. the apples. Just <laughs> bring in David Bednar. Everybody, there's like a. David Bednar look like competition and yeah 
A lot more fun than an Apple lookalike competition. Yeah. Which yeah. is where you find where you find uh, Macintosh apples that kind of look like Gala apples. That's that's how that works. Wow. You're really going on some deeper pools there. I'm not even I'm not even high tonight, people. Are, are we even recording? Did you press record on this? I, Son of a bitch. All right, we got to start over. Yeah. This is absolutely the right time for us to stop this uh, podcast of absolute nonsense. Um, <laughs> this is going to okay. get chopped down to like 10 minutes. <laughs> it's just going to be us saying hello and goodbye and talking about Skeens' <laughs> mustache. That's Where's it. that restaurant I went to in Squirrel Hill? Yeah. Come come for prospect talk. Stay for Steve fumbling through Google Maps. Trying, <laughs> trying. I said some weird crap tonight, that's for sure. Uh, yeah. Did you even say what dumplings you had? You're just like dumplings. Yeah, they were spicy. They were spicy. Yes. Oh, just say spicy I want some dumplings. spicy dumplings. Spicy okay. dumplings. I'm, I'm actually looking spicy. at the I menu. Give me the spicy. Give me the spicy ones. They were the, they're not I'm looking at the menu the right menu. now. They are... Oh. Um, they're not actually on the main menu. They're on the uh, they were on like a specials menu, and they were called the um, they were the Van Gogh uh, or the Starry Night specifically was, and and they were kind of like they were in this like dyed dough that was kind of like just it was just blue and green, and it was just it was kind of cute, I guess. It didn't look anything at all like Starry Night, but like you know that was they were trying to go with the color scheme of it. Um, you know, but they were very, very spicy, so so spicy. They gave me the hiccups in fact. So, um, but you know, and then I just had, we just had the hot oil noodles was the other thing that we had. Nothing screams North China homestyle cuisine, like getting some dumplings named after a Dutch artist that cut his ear off because he did too much, uh, absinthe. Yeah. Hmm. Well, this this episode may not see the light of day, but as always, it's always fun to hang out with you. Indeed. Uh, just real quick, ten words or less. Are this are the pirates going to do uh, anything to address the rotation by the next time we record? When have I ever done anything in ten words or less? I, I know, I know. Imagine editing your articles for five, <laughs> five years. Yeah. Um, uh, yes, they're going to do something. I'm going to say no, which makes me sad, but we will see. All right. I am Kevin Cray. And I'm Steve DiMaselli. Thank you.